0: <laughs> and to that piece of lieutenant that's always
1: uh, on his podcast, that yeah. us, yeah. All right, everybody. Eric Dim, NYPD, your most complained cop. This is New York Spine's Retired Filtered Podcast. This is your 265 police live series. And along with me is John McCarry, the founder and the co-host of the podcast, retired lieutenant. So let's talk about nepotism. This is going to be our podcast, nepotism part two. There's a lot of stuff that surrounds the nepotism that is fueled in the NYPD. So, John, let's get right into it. Let's talk about, let's start talking about Nick Stephanopoulos, lieutenant of the NYPD from the community response team involved in a controversial incident that was caught on camera what are your thoughts
2: so we had a car pursuit happen in lower manhattan happens about a week ago happens on church street uh they hit they hit speeds of 107 miles an hour i think me and eric were pretty expressive about the car pursuits and we felt that they should only be done in extreme emergencies i don't believe that this constituted an extreme emergency where we needed to risk new york city residents lives and tourist lives and just innocent people that are completely uninvolved to get this individual but you know maybe there was more in the story maybe he was going to commit a murder i don't believe so so because based upon the the newspaper but the the car pursuit happens it ends as usual as they constantly do in a crash uh thankfully no one was injured seriously injured um the driver looked to be, have probably been injured from that crash. But other than him and his vehicle, I didn't see that anybody else was injured and his passenger was, was slightly injured. So the car pursuit ends in that. Um, and then the incident happens with the use of force. Nick St- Stephanopoulos, who's a lieutenant, has been modified as a result of that incident. And that, we believe, is is a form of nepotism. Well, well Absolutely. So
1: there is a backstory to this that the public needs to be informed. So Nick Stephanopoulos, who is a lieutenant of the community response team, was the ringleader in spearheaded attacks towards John and myself on social media, mostly on Instagram. Now, that has nothing to do with this with this actual incident. So the reason why I want to mention that is I want people to understand there's nothing personal here and there's not a bias. So that that backstory that did take take place, uh, probably about two months prior to this actual incident. But what? So the reason why I wouldn't mention that so people understand going forward, there's nothing personal. So I want you to imagine that didn't happen. We're going to go into that later and explain why that does correlate to this incident. But let's pretend, rhetorically speaking, let's say that John and I had no interaction with Lieutenant Nicholas Stephanopoulos prior to this. And let's pretend there is a standard in the New York City Police Department. And in order to have a standard, you have to have comparison. We have to compare other incidents to this one to have standard. So the only standard that I could think of at this point was spearheaded by Mayor Eric Adams himself. And the reason why I say that is Mayor Eric Adams is ultimately the boss of the NYPD. The mayor is ultimately the boss of the New York City Police Department at any period of time. So we had an incident in Staten Island in the one-to-one precinct approximately about a year ago where a white police officer was punched repeatedly to the face by a female juvenile perpetrator. His response was ultimately deploying punches to overcome resistance and aggression. So the reason I want to mention that is the comparison. Let's say we have no idea what the context is to the Nick Stephanopoulos incident. In this particular incident, we didn't have much context either, and neither did the mayor. That's the only context that we knew is that this police officer was punched in the face repeatedly. And Mayor Eric Adams provided the standard. And he said the standard was it did not look good. So going by that standard, I would like to make the comparison that without any information, we don't know the uh, conviction rate of this particular perpetrator. We don't know exactly what incited the chase. We don't know the entire context. So we only have the portion of the video that we observed. And based on the standard, just on that alone, we say it did not look good. So based on that standard, the police officer in the one-to-one precinct was immediately suspended. And in this case, the lieutenant was modified. So i like to make that comparison. What is the standard?
2: Yeah, no, I think that's beautifully put because that's exactly what it is. What it is the standard to be is when there's excessive force alleged, and we're not saying that excessive force was was or was not used in this incident, but when it's alleged and it's a media incident, there is no modification. It's a 30 day suspension, right? And that's what we've seen throughout all of this. We've seen 30 day suspensions, but yet a member of the Dream Team, the Get Stuff Done Team, or the Pretend to Get Stuff Done Team, Lieutenant Nick Stephanopoulos, was modified so again we we support the use of force in scenarios where it's necessary obviously eric supports the use of force in 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 but necessary force to affect an arrest right necessary the minimal amount of necessary force used to affect that arrest so i'm going to play the video and then you know i'll play it in, in speed and then we'll slow it down and talk to it and again just to back up what eric said there has been numerous interactions uh, online between myself and Eric and this uh, lieutenant. And this is not an attack on him in any way. We're just going to talk about what we always talk about. We're going to break down critical incidents. We're going to talk about anything. And we're not going to shy away from it, regardless of who likes it or not, because that's what being unfiltered is. And that's what this show is. We're unfiltered. We're, we're going to call out what we think is bad. We're going to call out what we thinks good. And anybody that doesn't like it really don't care. Don't watch. Don't follow. It's, it's it's not, you know, this is America and we're going to use our our platform to exercise our free speech and to give critical analysis and to give our perspective from our view, from our view, not only as retired police officers, but as citizens of this country, as 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 taxpaying residents. Again, I still pay taxes in New York City. So Eric still pays, you know, he lived there his entire life. So we're gonna, we're gonna give that. So let's break down. We're gonna look at this incident right now. Now, what we're gonna see is the vehicle has just crashed. This uh, this video was by uh, New York City Scoop on Twitter. Uh, good account if any of you guys wanna follow uh, up-to-date happenings on New York City. So New York City Scoop post this video and what you're gonna see is three officers run towards a crash vehicle. Very dangerous situation, right? The male just fled from them. Again, we did not support the chase, but here we are. The car crashes. It's a very, very dangerous situation. You're going to see three officers rush at that vehicle. Now, they do, not, they do not know if this male's armed at this point. They do not know if they will encounter a firearm coming out of that vehicle at this point. Or if they will uh, encounter from either the driver or the passenger or possibly even someone that they did not see in the backseat of that vehicle. So it's a very, very dangerous situation. And you know, I, I, I want everyone to understand the gravity of that situation, and your and how you would feel after you just chased this vehicle, and you're rushing towards it now. You're rushing towards the vehicle door, and you, not only are you looking to 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 see if who's injured or who's not injured, but you're looking to make that scene safe. So here we go. You're, we're going to see it in full in full motion right now.
0: On the ground.
1: It's lit, movie. I think he drunk it. Put your hands your back. He drunk? Oh, yeah, I think he jumped but the nigga just crashed, man. Nah, I thought it was police it. about to I'm ready. Yeah, I mean, yeah. think the is over. I want them to run
0: down the yeah, yeah, stairs.
1: right. Yeah, here. hell yeah. What? It, yeah, he looked like he drunk. I ain't gonna lie. He's
3: shaking. He just nah, but he that's
1: crazy. why he's shaking though, because that nigga got hit. They was stomping him on, all
3: know
1: You can oh, smell he's that he's shit. He's bleeding. He's oh, leaking. Yo, he having a seizure. See yo, he having, seizure.
2: yo CEO. he having a seizure. He having a seizure. Movie. Wow. All right. So we don't need to play the rest of it, but that was that was the quick that was the quick analysis of it, Eric. I'll slow it down for you if you want to walk everybody through. But what are your initial thoughts on that, right right away?
1: So I like to talk about this actual incident in reverse, right? So when we talk about optics, when it comes to standards, based on what Mayor Eric Adams had laid out as a standard, if we start out with the kick to the head by the Lieutenant Nicholas Stephanopoulos. The optics of that, they don't look good. And I'd like to start with that because I want to say, as the most complained cop, I have deployed numerous punches to the face, to the body of violent perpetrators. I have kicked perpetrators to the chest, but every time I utilized force, it had significance, purpose, and mission. And I'd never was, I was never emotionally invested. You have to emotionally detach. So you can see the difference when someone's operating, when there's a mission, where they're actually emotionally invested. Now, I don't take issue to using force. Force is necessary, especially when you're in volatile situations. But the optics, and I can tell you this, I have never, and I would never, kick someone to the head when they're on the ground and they're already pinned. That I believe is unnecessary. We talk about unnecessary force and excessive. Just on the optics, just on the context of what I can see without understanding anything else, no other nomenclature known about this actual incident. That part I, I take issue to, and I have I find that problematic. And I don't lo- I don't like the way it looks. But if we backtrack from there, the actual stop itself, and I'm glad that, John, what you said, I agree with John. And we both have we're so expressive and that's what initiated this attack from lieutenant Nicholas Stephan- stephanopoulos and his crew from the community response team is john and i were in opposition and we still are of vehicle chasers why because they end badly it's a last resort we don't know the context of it but based on the information that we have this is not a chase that you want to be involved in but since they did the approach itself when you become a police officer, especially a cop, and this team has been referred to as the dream team, we expect, we expect a an ability to make observations within an eighth of a second. I used to always tell my cops, within eighth of a second, you got to make that decision. That's the quality of a high skilled cop, especially the specialized unit. And immediately we see the, the driver, who's also now a perpetrator, get out of the car. But from what I can see, his posture appears to be meek. His hands are up in a position where it doesn't appear to be fighting. It appears to be a, a position of surrender. And the lieutenant lays into him and deploys a strike towards the face. Now, I don't find that completely problematic, but it does show the emotion that's involved. The force that's used, the takedown, was, I don't see any problem with the takedown. But once that kick is deployed to the face, you can even see one of the police officers. He kind of looks up because he knows the cameras are there. And you can almost see in his face that he wants to communicate with his lieutenant, like, this is not a good time. And I can see from that, I'm going to make the inference that it's almost like, well, lieutenant, this has happened before, but there's a camera here. So that's my take on what we have just on the onset. I'm sure we'll go into it more. What do you think, John?
2: So, yeah, even like I I do agree with you. The male comes out with his hands up but as they rush the vehicle, right? So you're rushing the vehicle. The male comes up with your hands up, with his hands up. You're going to be a little tunnel vision at that moment in time. You know, you're, you're, you're going to be a little tunnel vision there. I, I would think that, you know, the, the more experience you have, the less tunnel vision you will you will see in that scenario. But it's, again, it's a very dangerous scenario. You don't know What this mail has, you don't know what the passenger has, you don't know really how many occupants are in the vehicle as well. I like just from the pursuit. I mean, I I, you know, I think we've spoken about it before. Like when you're pursuing a vehicle, or even if you're not pursuing a vehicle, there's times that you read the amount of people in the car wrong, or you're unable to see based on the the tints in the back window, whatever, whatever that scenario is. So I do think it's a very dangerous scenario. So the male does come out with his hands up. I really have zero issue with the initial strike. It looks to me that he punches him directly in the chest. I could be wrong Um, immediately after the, you see, and then at that point you see the male fold. Right. You see that, you know, uh, the lieutenant's a big, strong guy. He cracks him, whether he hits him in the face or he hits him in the chest. That individual folds and he starts to go down towards the ground. Now, as they're leading him to the ground, the camera pans away. When the camera pans back, you see the two officers taking the male to the ground and you see the lieutenant putting his gun back. Now, it was alleged in the news article that he struck him with the gun. Um, I personally don't see that. Um, I don't, again, we didn't see the body camera. We don't have all of the evidence. Um, I don't see the strike with the firearm based upon the way he punches. He steps down, he throws his weight, he punches into it, a textbook punch the way you should punch if you're going to, if you're going to do a close fish strike. So to me, it does not look like that, but he does put his gun back. Immediately when the camera pans back. And now we're not able to tell based on that video. I don't know the enhancements that were done. Again, I don't know all of the evidence that was there, but he does put his gun back. But to me, if I had to make a judgment on that, I'm going to say he struck him and then pulled out his gun, which I believe is a terrible tactic, by the way, because now there's three of you in very close quarters. But you're still, again, you don't know how many occupants are in that vehicle. So you might be trying to cover your two guys now so it could be it could be actually you know to to me it's it's really a non-issue the whole first part of that takedown it looks violent but again like I always say police work does not look pretty on camera it just doesn't however you want to shape it up it's not going to look beautiful if if you're fighting to make it look nice you're you're probably going to lose so I'm not you know like I'm not I'm not, I have no problem with the first portion of that video. I do see, like you said, it looks bad based upon the evidence that we have. Based upon this video that we have, the part that looks bad is the male is on the floor. You dropped him with one punch. There's two officers on top of him. Again, I'll point out how ridiculous the, uh, the diaphragm law is because from the moment they take him down, they're violating that diaphragm law. It's ridiculous. Now, I don't believe they will be charged with it ultimately, and I don't think that they should be charged with it. The diaphragm law is, is completely an impossible standard to follow and should be removed from legislation, the entire bill itself. But you will see they violate the entire thing right from the onset, like every other video we've seen since the onset of it, like every video you ever seen. Because So now they're struggling with the, with this male. He's face down. There's two police officers on top of him. And you hear a very large thump. You see the lieutenant stomp his head. That's what it appears to be to me. It doesn't appear to be a kick to me. It appears to be a stomp. And he runs off the camera immediately after that. And then he comes back and now he's on the thing and what, and, and he comes back into view and now he's calling for an ambulance and you see the male go into convulsions and the witnesses say, Oh, he stomped his head. They stomped him out. Right. They're not talking about the other two cops. They're talking about the Lieutenant. Um, so I think it's very problematic.
1: So, uh, i like to backtrack and I want to explain to the audience. So the reason why I mentioned as a precursor before we watch this video and start to go in depth to explain our perspective and analysis of this actual controversial car stop and ultimately a vehicle pursuit is because Lieutenant Nicholas Stephanopoulos who spearheaded and who's the ringleader of attacking this podcast on social media, um, basically went on a smear campaign and did everything in his power to suppress this, this podcast. It uh, was really demeaning trying to defame our character, uh, really exposed that there's uh, a definitely uh, probability that John and I, our names were checked in the database, which is completely illegal while we're in retirement. Um, and the reason why I wanted to mention that is because, so hold on to that thought. Think about that, right? So here's the reason why I want to mention that is because when we watch a video, the ultimate goal is to watch this without any bias and make a clear assessment of it based on what we see and I can tell you this we all believe that cops have a volatile job it's extremely dangerous John and I were both there we were both in situations just like this where we had to apply for us but I will say this and I will say it again John and I both agree we never did and we never will stomp someone on the head even if I was in a situation off-duty I would not do something like that if I had to defend myself. If someone's in that position where their arms are pinned, their head is down, I would not stomp them to the head. I'm a big advocate to watch MMA, even in the UFC. That is something that is illegal. You cannot stomp someone in the head while they're down. They have a referee because that's not safety to a fighter. That would be not safe to an adversary as well. But I do believe, even though that uh, Nicholas, Nicholas Stephanopoulos, the lieutenant, has shown some clear unprofessionalism on social media that he deserves fair and due process for this actual incident. And so I always, John and I both, and I'm sure all the cops watching this, we always like to give the benefit of the doubt to the person involved. And we can all say, listen, it's extremely dangerous. they are involved in a high pursuit. He's the lieutenant in charge of his men and his women. He's concerned about their safety. The guy's getting out of the car. Their hearts are racing. And it's possible, let's say, you know what? It's possible he made a mistake. He let his emotions get the best of him. So that's why I want to mention this incident. Because that we can say if someone has a great record and they never had an incident, then we can say, you know what, they lost their head for a moment. They made a mistake. They will pay for it. But how far would that discipline go? But we see a, a track record. So we we've we've heard. Met from numerous independent sources that have worked with Lieutenant Nicholas Stephanopoulos, that things have not been favorable about his character. We've heard incidents where his his credibility was questioned by former district attorneys in the past, and also John and I have faced an attack, mm-hmm. harassment by this actual lieutenant and his team. So, with that, it correlates to this incident to say that you know what he has shown a path and showed a mindset to do something like this. John and I both have said that what we see from the community response team on social media really begs the question, how would they treat the public? And sure enough, in less than two months from that incident, we have the opportunity to view this actual video. So that really gives us an insight. I was just on Alpha Warrior's show and Sal Greco's show. And Sal Greco pointed something out, which I thought was great. John and I both spoke about this. Please, if you have an opportunity, tune into it. And Sal Greco said, you know what, if the police department would have taken the allegations serious by John and myself on this podcast about the cop hiding behind all cops, which gave us threats to our families and to our lives, and also the threats and unprofessionalism that were received from Lieutenant Nicholas Stephanopoulos and the community response team, if it was addressed, maybe he would not be on the street to get into the situation and put the public... in." public safety at risk, and also himself and the members
2: of his team. Yeah, so we often talk about how cops today, the majority of cops are frozen with fear. They're not fear of their life. They're in fear of the legal and professional ramifications of taking police action or even voicing their opinion or supporting a president or anything especially on social media, right? You put something up that you supported the 45th president of the United States. I mean, there's a chance you could be fired. And there have been cops that have been fired for just that. And there are other cops that have been targeted, right? Sal Greco is a clear example of a political target. And there are other individuals out there who have been targeted for supporting the 45th President of the United States, or being against bail reform, or any of this other progressive anti-police legislation, by the way. So it's not just it's not just that. Even if you're in support of your own profession, you're not allowed to speak online. And again, I don't believe that Nick Stephanopoulos or the other lieutenant involved—that's his his partner in the in the CRT team—I don't believe they spearheaded it. I just don't believe that they're smart, and I don't believe they're mature. So I think that it was completely spearheaded by the upper echelon of the NYPD, most notably police officer, Edward Caban, chief of patrol, John Shell, now deputy commissioner of operation, Kaz Daughtry. Um, so I believe that they were sent clear as day that the captain of, the, of this unit, this particular unit, the captain along with his two lieutenants, sergeants, cops, detectives, and even the agency attorney, the legal attorney, Was saying completely unprofessional things, uh, calling me a rat because I worked in internal affairs for for two years, um, slandering us, making up lies about uh, us, all in an attempt and and basically in a threatening demeanor to, hey, why don't you guys stop talking and shut this podcast down? Uh, Very, very unprofessional. And, you know, I'm back and forth to New York City a lot. And people ask me, do you worry about it? I said, I don't worry because I don't do anything wrong. But based upon that behavior and the, based upon the way that they reacted and the things they were saying, I'd did. I, I, I I'd be lying if I said that I was not ready to have my entire vehicle cameraed up be, so that these guys wouldn't flake me, throw something in my car, make up a false allegation. And that's exactly what I winded up doing because I was like, you know, I have to protect myself, I have to protect my family, I have to protect my character. And clearly, this is a targeted character attack. So I'm putting all that aside right now. I'm putting it all aside. I'm going to show maturity. But I I agree with Eric to to where it is. Maturity really has to be questioned. And are these cops acting with impunity? There's another video out there of a kid in tan pants. And he body slams a perp twice on the floor. And I don't know if it's a little much and I don't know if it was right. But once the individual's handcuffed, the cop then throws a haymaker to the kid's face, side shots him. And, you know, Eric says it often. There aren't any bad. There are any there aren't any bad soldiers or bad troops. There's bad leaders. And I believe that. Those attacks correlate those social media attacks and those threats correlate so much with the way you will operate on the street or the way you operate in life or your character, because I, Eric, then would never do that. I would never do that. I would never disrespect my name. I would never disrespect anybody and I wouldn't make up lies about anybody. Uh, I don't do it now. I'm retired and you can't do anything to me. And I don't do that. Right. We're we're often accused Mm -hmm. of misinformation on this podcast. So we're going to go more in depth into this video and anybody that doesn't agree, instead of telling us that we're spreading misinformation, please come on. We'll replay the video. You can give your perspective on the video. We'll give you a platform, you know, but uh, that, that's where we are. We're, we are going to explore the truth no matter what. We're going to explore the truth and give our opinion no matter who likes it or not. So,
1: Well, first of all, I want to thank you. I think that you gave a better explanation of the actual text. 100% uh, John and I actually have made the connection between the community response team and actually the upper management as far as the taxes of this podcast so when I say spearheaded I meant that actually physically initiated the contact on social media but you're 100% right when you explain the spearheaded I appreciate that I think you have a better explanation than, a better explanation than I did when it comes to that uh, absolutely they were sent and I do believe that they are too feeble minded to actually come up with this on their own however I do believe that what i said there's no bad troops only bad leaders and there's leaders at every level and at every level those leaders have to take ownership and i think that at this level the captain and these two lieutenants have not taken the proper ownership to run an elite unit this is supposed to be an elite unit they wear a separate uniform it's a quasi anti-crime team operating citywide. they have a lot of accountability that needs to be held to them they have a lot of responsibility, but along with that, they have a lot of power. They're moving around throughout the entire city. These guys are out there doing intrusive police work. They have a legal team with them. They're also working directly for the chief of patrol, John Shell, along with Kaz Daughtry, who's now the deputy commissioner of operations. So they are operating with impunity. So that goes into question about the disciplinary matrix. So John and I have deciphered the disciplinary matrix. It met its inception of January 2021 for the NYPD. So just looking at this case alone, we have a lieutenant with 18 years on the job. He's part of an elite team who's considered the dream team, the uh, community response team. He's working citywide. He has a lot of experience. He's doing special operations. Based on that, if there is going to be some discipline, we can automatically say that he would face what's called the aggravating factors of the disciplinary matrix. And i'm not saying i wish that upon him at all uh please understand that john and i both have nothing personal against his lieutenant we don't wish him any harm we will give clear and professional perspective of this video as any other video we would however this incident of attacks did happen so we have to state the facts uh we're not going to hide that at all but john said you know people don't like it it is what it is however according to the disciplinary matrix I believe that would mean termination. I do not wish the termination, but we have to explain the correlation to the disciplinary matrix. Now, this is where it becomes an issue and it correlates to nepotism. This particular episode is titled nepotism two, because we did an episode called nepotism one surrounding the, the uh, promotion of cast archery. So when we talk about nepotism, nepotism can save careers because The disciplinary matrix has the presumptive penalties, which is right in the middle. That's the automatic. You have the aggravating factors to the right based on experience, things as such as I just listed. But then you have the mitigating factors. And the mitigating factors is a very small penalty. And that is clearly for people of nepotism. And so far, based on the fact that this lieutenant was not suspended and was modified, we already see that it's taken the path of the mitigating factors with the disciplinary matrix. John, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah. I mean, so mitigating factors, what are they, you know, nature of the situation, actions of the perpetrator, um, things of that nature, right? So we were in a a high speed vehicle pursuit. Uh, It's a dangerous situation. Mail crashes. Uh, He's accused of having heroin. He's accused of swallowing heroin. Um, He's accused of a lot of things. Um, So, I think those are mitigating factors in there. But I think overall, when you look at the situation and if this is just any old lieutenant, the aggravating factors are all over the place. But this isn't just any old lieutenant. This is John Shell and Cass Daughtry's right hand man who they sent to attack myself and Eric, who they send out on the streets in New York City at night every night and who really has a lot more power than every commanding officer and across the, the NYPD, you know, he has a lot more power. Like whatever he says is go, no one's going against the decision of this Lieutenant because they will face the wrath of the dream team, right? These, these are the elite unit, right? 18 year Lieutenant, you expect a lot, right? And this is not a, and this isn't a guy who's hasn't been on the street for 18 years. This is a guy who's been on the street every night involved in, thousands of arrests, right? I believe he has he has a few hundred to his own name, even as a cop, he's been in narcotics units, he's been in proactive enforcement his entire career. So I believe 100% everything. Yes, there are some mitigating factors here. But overall, this is if unnecessary force was used, then 1000%, those are aggravating factors. And if your name's Juan Perez, if your name is um, who's the Italian kid in in the, in Lower Manhattan, Provenzano. Provenzano, 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 you you're gonna get you're getting suspended and you're getting if you're throwing a cooler at someone, Sergeant, right? You throw a cooler at someone, you're getting suspended and you're getting the aggravated factors with that. And I and you know again, what's Manhattan DA's motto for his office? One standard of justice for all. Why was the disciplinary matrix created? We were told. We were told it was created so that discipline would remain equal. Because if discipline's not equal, then it's discriminatory. But right on the face value, obviously, the police department believes that there is an investigation that needs to happen here. Or they wouldn't even modify them. But from what I'm being told is that he was initially suspended, never came down in the orders. And then a call was reached out to the chief of internal affairs and it was changed. The suspension was changed to a modification. Now, do I know that that's fact? No, I don't, but I believe it because if you look at the other scenarios, those were, they were suspended immediately. Well,
1: I'm going to make a very bold statement. It's probably going to piss a lot of people off. And we know that there's a big portion of the police department. That's actually going to agree. Why John, John and I are constantly in contact with independent sources Anonymous sources of the police department about the two-tiered system that's going on with the police department as we speak. One tier is everyone that's in a blue uniform, operating under normal standards, operating under the patrol guide, operating under the law and policy of the law enforcement profession under the NYPD. But then there's the community response team that's operating in tampants that has complete impunity because they're close to the king, Caz Daughter, and also John Shell. So I'm going to make the statement based on the fact that this unit, not the entire unit, but an overwhelming majority of this unit has attacked John and I on this podcast along with their leaders, is extremely problematic. And it speaks volumes. If they are willing to put their actual names on social media and do an open, open to the public smear campaign and attacks and admit that while they're working, they're spending time thinking about this podcast, talking about this podcast, and trying to suppress our First Amendment, it's extremely problematic. And it definitely correlates to how they're policing out there. This reckless and cowboy attitude. They're constantly vehicle pursuits. They're putting the public at risk. Are vehicle pursuits necessary? At times, to last resort. However, this has become a tactic that's been used as a crime tactic, which even when the police department was being supported, it was never a tactic that we were in agreement with. Absolutely not. The totality of circumstances does not weigh out for the public. It's more of a danger to the public than anything, than as a good crime tactic. So I could say this, based on that, based on the video that you mentioned with the cop body slamming, just the fact that they're operating with total impunity, complete unprofessionalism, and we see it in the leadership. And the leadership is the most important for an organization to thrive. So, at the low level, the captain and two lieutenants were completely unprofessional. We see this video, we have the other video, we have constant vehicle pursuits. I do believe that this unit should be disbanded. I think it's completely infected by unprofessionalism. I think they're cowboys. I think there needs to be an overhaul. I think everyone needs to be re- re- removed from this unit. I think it needs to be disbanded. And then, we can explore the idea of how to start another unit that's just like this, that will be held to the same standard as everyone else, get qualified men and women to do this job of intrusive police work, and ultimately, we need quality leadership and start over. I do believe it should be disbanded.
2: I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, there was a reason they went after young, impressionable rookies to come onto this job. And then when you look at the leadership of this unit, I mean, the integrity – Of all of them is in question. Right. And that starts with Kaz Daughtry. That starts with John Shell. That starts with these two lieutenants. The captain, I don't know what he's doing. I I was like, I'm still I'm still like I I can't even believe that there's an executive on the job coming on a social media platform with his entire team. I don't care who told me to do it. I would never do it. You know, I don't care who told me to do it when I was a cop. I would never do it. Never mind if I was an executive on this job or a lieutenant or a sergeant. I mean, you're there to protect your guys. And instead of protecting them, you're throwing flame. You're throwing fuel on a flame. I mean, ridiculous. So acting with impunity. In in, in private and on social media acting with impunity on the street when you're punching a handcuffed perp. So but I'd like to just get into this video a little bit more. So I slowed it down to the amount that we could slow it down the best. And I just I just want you to Eric, could you just walk us through just the use of force portion and just explain it for those on audio exactly what happened? So like we said, they're rushing towards the car. And the gentleman comes out, and he puts his hands up. So I have it slowed down to as much as we could.
0: Wow. Can you
2: freeze right there? Sorry. At uh, that point? Sorry, I had to shut that volume off. It was it was low. I'll go back on it. So, let's give the benefit of the doubt,
1: right? So John and I both agree that it's a volatile situation. They're in a vehicle pursuit. This vehicle has just crashed. And I always say it. When you're involved in a counter, it's not one person, one car. It's one entire incident. They're in Manhattan right now. There's plenty of people outside right now. They have pedestrians. They have cars involved. There's a lot they have to worry about. They're approaching that car. I don't know that they know how many occupants are in this car, but the motorist gets out, who's now a perpetrator, and they immediately have to respond and act and get this person in handcuffs. So We can go back and forth and hairs. I do believe that his hands were up in a meek manner, but let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say, yes, it's happening so fast, and he didn't have the time to make that assessment. And Also, everyone does perceive things differently. It's a beauty, and it's an opportunity right now that we can sit here and slow it down. But we have to give our assessment based on what happened in real time and what we believe and perceive that this lieutenant see. So I really don't have too much issue with the fact that he deployed a strike at this point to get the adversary down to the ground. So when you're a cop, ultimately, you want to get that person down to the ground to handcuff them. Instead of fight with someone who's six foot two, now we're fighting with someone who's on the floor, and they don't have the kinetic energy to use the amount of force. So they get him down to the ground. So at this point, I have no issues. The two police officers uh, pin one side of the body. They pin the other side. But I do agree with John. If you watch that portion, if the diaphragm law was actually assessed and brought upon against police officers, these two police officers would be facing charges themselves for violating the diaphragm law, which I have nothing wrong. I practice jiu-jitsu myself. That's how you hold someone down, by compressing the diaphragm. So at that point, I believe the force is pretty much reasonable. They're doing their job. It's a volatile situation. They have to meet violence with violence. But now at this portion, the lieutenant has been extracted. The two police officers have the adversary, the person of interest, the perpetrator, under control. And this is the point where I do believe that the lieutenant is emotionally invested. Not only, first of all, it appears he's right-handed. His gun is on his right side. He deploys his punch with his right hand. So at this point, he stops with the left foot, which to me is indignant that it's completely unnecessary. There's no reason for it. It's not, if if he really needed to, if he was in a volatile situation and had to deploy a stomp or a kick, to to really get that person in a position of vulnerability so you could actually handcuff them, he would use his right foot. How do I know? Because I trained and I've used my right foot to kick many times myself, but not to stomp someone. The fact that he uses his left foot, his body's kind of off balance. It was just an unnecessary kick because he's emotionally invested. So at this point, would you agree with my assessment?
2: I, I, I do. Unfortunately, yeah, I believe it. I mean, to me, that that kick looks, I'm, I'm sorry, not even that kick. That's because it's 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 a stomp. I mean, I, I just I just replayed it back and forth a lot. And on the video, you actually hear the thump of his head, you hear like thump onto the concrete, it, it sounds very hard. So that's, that's actually a step on the head. And now he's out, right? And to me, it appears it's being done to punish. Right? Like it's 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 you're hooked, you're mad. Now, is that what happened? I don't know, but like that's what I believe. That's what I see. That's what I see there. I see it's done to punish. Um, and I you know, and I, I have no qualms about it. Call me whatever you want, a rat, or this, or that. I mean, this is what integrity is, you know. You notice that Cas Daughtry, John Shell, the police commissioner, no one has spoke out about this. Lou Turco had spoke out about this and said that the that the lieutenant has has uh has affected numerous gun arrests on New York City streets that saved countless lives. And I agree with that statement. He has. But what else has he done? You know, because um, I'll tell you right now, I didn't share that video when it came out because I didn't want it to look like I had was getting back at him or anything like that. Or I was jumping up and down because he was into this got into an incident that he's going to get in trouble for or he got caught on camera doing something bad because i really wasn't i don't i don't i don't take i don't take hate to anybody even the people who consistently attack me prank my phone every day send me threatening emails messages i really don't care about anything you don't you don't bother me you don't affect my life you're not going to steal my peace for one second so i took no joy in seeing this video so i didn't share it for a reason but if i could tell you the amount of times That I was sent that video. I mean, it's in the hundreds. It's in the hundreds of cops telling me, cops supervisors telling me, please blast him. This kid is a wreck. This kid is a mess. If I could tell you the amount of times that happened, and I still didn't do it because I was like, you know what? It's not, it's not, it's not for me. Let let the public, you know, it's already out there in the public. Let the public weigh in on it but what i did see is from social media accounts particularly law enforcement social media accounts sharing the video and saying great job and instantly i was like are you kidding me you see what that happened now i a great job in the fact that it, it 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 i guess it came to a successful conclusion now but we didn't know that at the time right the 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 mail Goes into convulsions and apparently, they, from what the media is saying, he was in a coma for two days. And I'm like, is that? And 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 don't get me wrong, this kid deserves everything, right? And and again, nothing's going to happen to him. And now the city's opened up for 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 God only knows how much money they're going to give this kid now. God only knows whether this lieutenant's ultimately found guilty of using excessive force or not or doing or pursuing when he shouldn't have pursued or or the numerous other allegations that will be brought against all of these cops here, including you hear the cop cursing on the thing. He calls him an effing uh, retard, I believe. I believe a lot of people have issue with that. I've spoken about that, that almost like when you're cursing, when your adrenaline's flowing, you almost don't even know you're doing it. It's involuntary. Um, So, And they are younger cops. You could tell just by looking at them. Um, They're younger cops. They're more inexperienced. And they're being led by people with questionable integrity and questionable actions. The other thing that leads me to believe that it's excessive and it's unnecessary is the fact that he runs off the camera immediately after doing. It. If if it was necessary, you would have followed through what your action, right? Your action would have fo- been followed up with another action, but it wasn't.
1: So I think this is great that you have this frozen at this point. So before I talk about this, I just want to piggyback also what John just said. John and I have become very uh, desensitized and numb to prank calls on our phone, text, Instagram. Yes, we're very critical of the upper management of the NYPD. For the most part, we're very supportive of the rank and file. But we have to be fair. And we're going to be critical and give our perspective and analysis of videos, despite the fact that we were attacked. And this is not favorable to the lieutenant. If it was favorable to the lieutenant, we would call that out. As a whole, the entire incident is favorable, but there are particular portions of this video that are problematic. But I will say this. To the NYPD, to the upper management, we will continue to be critical. We are still standing here. We don't take it personal. We're not going to try to seek vengeance. We didn't try to seek vengeance on this lieutenant, his captain, Thomas Kaminsky, completely immature. And the reason why I'm saying his name is because I fought hard to get promoted to captain. I passed that test. I could not get promoted because of civilian complaints. He got promoted. He should enjoy it. Bless it. Be a good leader. And to be a good leader, it takes tough love. You need to tell people what they did wrong, even if they don't like it. But you go along with the with the program, when the program was the wrong program, it's not good leadership. And you've infected the young, impressionable men and women that are underneath you. Because if they think that's okay. That's what they learned, and they learned it from you. So uh, even lately, John and I were critical of Jeffrey Madry, the chief of department. The fact that we uh, – is everything indicative that he's studying at the police academy while acting as chief of department. And who's taking his place? Cass Daughtry is the deputy commissioner of operations. So I actually received a fake moniker on Instagram saying, I'm a weirdo, and I am don't ever talk bad about Madry. Guess what, Jeffrey Madry? I will continue to be critical. I'm standing here. All these prank calls that are coming, keep them coming. We've become completely desensitized. Just add to the pile. And we will give our perspective as we always do. So if you look at this portion here in this video, what I saw is immediately the lieutenant stomped him to the head. And these police officers, I can't tell you what they're thinking, but based on what I see, immediately their heads turn towards the lieutenant. And you can tell that the perpetrator at this point is in custody and he's no longer a fight because they stop to look at him and it's almost, you can see an inference that there should be a conversation. Hey, Lieutenant, that's enough. And how do we know that also, right? So the police department has conducted this training, I think it's been like the past couple of years, maybe two to three years, called ABLE training. And what that training is, gives the responsibility for police officers or anyone involved in an incident to intervene with other police officers if the action is not appropriate. That was a knee-jerk reaction to George Floyd. So at this point, do we expect the cops to put the lieutenant in their in his place? A- absolutely not. But they do motion, their heads look at him almost like, listen, you need to move, get off camera, and you need to stop. And the lieutenant does. He gets off camera. So we know it's completely unnecessary. It wasn't applicable. And, and as I said, the way his body was motioned, the, the stop itself. It wasn't doing anything. It didn't have any significance, purpose, purpose, and it wasn't accomplishing the mission. It was just, to me, I think he was emotionally invested. Emotionally invested. It completely hooked. And again, as I said, can it happen? Do cops make mistakes? Mistakes, absolutely. You're human. You're in a crazy situation. Your heart's pounding. But this lieutenant has had a check it past. And the fact that he was showing complete unprofessionalism we had foreshadowed and predicted that how would this lieutenant, the captain, and other police officers, part of the unit, treat the public? And unfortunately, we see it here. John, you mentioned that other video, which we saw. And if we, we had an opportunity to show it, we could show it. I don't think we have it. But, you know, when these, when these things start to happen one after a month, one after another, you have to say to yourself, well, these are the incidents that we're actually seeing, that they have gotten caught. But how many incidents have happened? That we did not view and we
3: did not see
2: that's no, well said man how I, what's what what are the other allegations out there what's going on with with all of this other stuff and clearly this is the reason this title's episode uh, this episode is titled nepotism part two is because Right now, we just covered the portion of nepotism when it's concerning discipline and it's concerning investigations, right? The investigation, like Eric said, has already been determined that there are mitigating factors. It has already been determined that this is not necessary for a suspension. And that is based solely upon nepotism. It is not a one standard of investigation nor discipline, right? Because ultimately a suspension is discipline immediately, right? What they're saying is this is not appropriate force and we're going to suspend you and you're going to lose 30 day pay. But currently we did not see that here. So we believe that is directly involved in nepotism as, as also the, the other investigation of where we are saying that we are our first amendment privileges are being are being trying to our the upper echelon of the nypd is trying to take away our first amendment privileges and, and trying to intimidate and coerce us into to get being done with doing this podcast and to speaking out on social media um through intimidation coercion techniques slander and defamation um and again like we said Anyone does not agree with our opinion. This is an opinion. We're not there. We're the critics, right? The critics. It's not the critic who counts, right? It's the man in the arena, right? We're not in the arena anymore. We're on on the sideline, and you know it's been spoken over and over again that John a leader that he's a leader that the uh, Ed Caban is a leader, um, the Honorable Ed Caban's a le- leader, right? His his mafia buddy just came at me for no reason out of nowhere. Um, But Kaz Daughtry is a true leader. And if you're a true leader and you see nothing wrong or this is the type of work that you have to happen, be be a leader. Give us a statement based upon this video. Come on this podcast. Tell us what Eric and myself said that was wrong or you don't agree with or we're short sighted on or we don't know because I was a BMS warrior and. And Eric was just in the South Bronx, and he didn't know any better. Maybe he got hit in the head too many times when he was doing jujitsu. Whatever, whatever type of thing you want to say about it, any of us, um, just come on and give us that that standpoint, you know. So I, 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 that's that that's my take on the video. My take on the video is that that appears to be an unnecessary kick. He appears to be hooked, and one thousand percent, he should have been suspended like everyone else was in the past what d- during the course of this investigation uh, one standard of justice should be applied one standard of investigation should be implied uh, uh applied to everybody and you're not seeing that here clear as day whether it whether yeah. it's determined it's not reasonable or it is reasonable that standard is is completely different nepotism absolutely I, I could agree with more that's that's a standard that we learned.
1: That is the most important thing of the police department is nepotism because again i like to say that eric adams he laid out the standard because early in the onset of his tenure as mayor we had this incident one-to-one precinct with the police officer deploying punches in response to being punched in the face so i'm just comparing without hearing any other context he's deploying punches to overcome resistance in comparison to a lieutenant stomping on someone's head, it's on the ground, controlled, and no longer a threat. Just on the appearance, how could the lieutenant, the, the cop, and the one-to-one precinct be suspended? And this lieutenant be modified? It's there, that's why we talk about the wheels of justice. And when it comes to the disciplinary matrix, yes, it's a similar nature, but the lieutenant is getting the benefit of the doubt with all the mitigating factors. So where was the mitigating factors applied to the cop in Staten Island? The mitigating factors were he's being punched in the face. He's in a crowd that's already part of a gang fight. He's trying to make an arrest. Aren't those mitigating factors? And he's also a police officer. He does not hold the rank. He has less experience than this lieutenant. He has much more mitigating factors than this lieutenant, but they were not applied to the same. Why? This police officer was a white male in Staten Island working in the one-to-one precinct, who deployed a strike to a young black female. This police officer wears blue pants. He's not in a specialized unit. He's not part of the Dream Team. He's part of the second tier of the police department. He's part of the general population. He's not part of the tan So we see a complete different standard. That's why I want the public to understand. This has nothing to do, our perspective, has nothing to do with the attacks that we had. Honestly, we laugh about it. I feel sorry for that because we're not seeking vengeance. I do believe the fruits of a poisonous tree will rot themselves, and we're seeing it here. It's unfortunate, and I do agree with what Greco said. This complaint, this allegations that we made on social media about this unit should have been addressed immediately. If they were, this lieutenant would not have been involved in this incident, and this perpetrator would have been dealt with appropriately. So, that's our standard. That's our perspective. I think it's time we move on from that. Next, next topic. Let's talk about the appointment of cat Ka- well the appointment of Kaz Daughtry. And now approximately six months later, another promotion to the deputy commissioner of operations, Kaz Daughtry. That's more nepotism. What do you got, John?
2: Sure. Absolutely. So Kaz Daughtry becomes a police officer in January of 2008. He's promoted to detective specialist in 2015. Um, detective second grade. He is promoted in May of 2020. He is then promoted again to detective first grade in December of 2022. In July of 2023, he is then appointed to assistant commissioner. Serves in that role for eight months. And then he graduates. Me and him are both uh, graduates, you could say of the Excelsior, the elite Excelsior University. So he graduates also in 2024 um, from Excelsior University. So I believe that means he now has a bachelor's degree. And then in February of 2024, he's promoted to the deputy commissioner of operations. Again, you see a clear path of nepotism through the ranks flying from second grade to first grade at unprecedented speed, being promoted again to a higher rank of uh, assistant commissioner and then an even higher rank of, of deputy commissioner of operations. I keep getting asked, is this a civilian or uniform position? Again, I don't know. I put out whatever facts I have on Twitter. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. I know that it's possible for you to get promoted and retain your tax number. I know that that's possible. And retain your uniform tax number, but it's very questionable why he was in the uniform ceremony and not in the civilian ceremony, and he actually didn't even attend that ceremony. So I don't I don't like he wasn't even actually there. So I don't know what what he truly is In, in 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 past deputy commissioner, especially deputy commissioner of operations would be an administrative role you would not be out on the street now so I don't know what his role is, but I do believe he flies through the ranks. I think another point of note that should be brought up is in the last two promotions, there were no, um, there were no detective, uh, discretionaries. So there were no second grade or first grade promotions to detective. I think that should be noted as well. Um, so I think that's a problem when you're seeing civilians getting promoted left and right, when you're seeing a kid get promoted, I I believe what is that's four times since 2020. Um, I mean a, a promotion a year basically. I mean it's it's it can't be that you're that talented. It can't. And and by what I see is you're not talented at all and you're clumsy and you're egotistical and you are probably watching this podcast right now, squeezing something in your hand. Well, it's interesting. So
1: the it's important that public understands, right? The higher the higher rank that you attain. The gaps increase between promotions or used to be that case in, in the past of what we would see in the history of the New York City Police Department. So once you start to get these executive ranks on the uniform side, the gap between captain to deputy inspector, deputy inspector to inspector and up to chief really starts to increase the years. Uh, there's There's a big gap we would see in the past. And we're not seeing that with these promotions. So we have to ask, especially when it comes to cash he, what did he do that was so innovative? What did he do that he initiated? What did he do differently in his tenure than anyone before him, his predecessors that were in that position? And I mentioned the uniform side, because in the civilian side, the gap is even larger when it comes to promotions on the civilian side than it is on the uniform side. So, what is the benefit and gain for such a short amount of time to promote Kaz Daughtery to assistant commissioner in less than a year to Deputy Commissioner of Operations? But we're talking about civilian members of the, of the service, which what is to gain? Now, John and I both made our assessment, and we we know why he was promoted to Deputy Commissioner of Operations. I'm sure it's completely obvious to most, but other than what John is about to say of why, what do we also believe is the reason for this promotion? What do you think, John? What is obviously the first thing that comes to mind?
2: His association with Chief Jeffrey Madry and New York City Mayor Eric Adams. I mean, that's very obvious. It's very, very obvious that that's what that is. Now, I know it's been alleged that he's Madry's nephew. He's Madry's son. He's Adam's son. He's, Adam. I don't know. I don't know who he is, but there's a relationship there and whatever and w- whether it's a professional relationship based on work or it's a familial relationship I don't know but it's a close relationship obviously and again like I said there is going to be nepotism based upon people you know and you there will it will always be and it's always been uh but clear as day I think this is the, one of the most egregious things that we've seen in New York City. This is the most <laughs> egregious form of nepotism that we've seen. And like I said, it's fine to bring people around you and people you trust and people that you're close to. But you want to make sure they're competent, you want to make sure they're making you better, you want to make sure that they're fit for the role that you put them in or that they have clear established roles, right? Um, I don't think we see any of that here. I don't think we see any of those things here. And then when you look at overall for your overall system in the nypd there is not a clear path to success for uniform members of the service it's just not there's not it's not it is no longer there especially if you're a male white or i let me take it so back I, male asian too as well oh absolutely
1: so I, I see it right now as twofold first thing as minuscule as it sounds i do believe he was promoted from assistant commissioner to deputy commissioner of operations, so that he gets, so that the police officers have to call attention and give a hand salute. As as minuscule as that sounds, I do believe that was part of the promotion. But secondly, I also think it's also to have a higher rank to actually hold the authority to to do the duties ultimately of Jeffrey Madry, almost like a quasi-achievement department on the civilian side. So even though he's a, a civilian member of the service who's an appointee at a very high rank, he's operating as a uniform member. I do believe that he's operating in his head, or at least what he was told, as the chief of department in place of Jeffrey Madry. Jeffrey Madry has been missing for months. Ever since the Union Square incident, the Union Square riot, Jeffrey Madry just completely fell off the face of the earth. And there's every reason to uh, believe it's indicative because Jeffrey Magry is studying for the bar at this point. And the reason why I say that is Kath just uh, just gave an interview. And in that interview, he said his duties and his responsibilities and everything that he said was indicative that he's taken the place of the chief of the department as the deputy commissioner of operations.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it's a double mirrored position. I don't think there's any clear success on why you would have promoted him on what he's actually done in his role of assistant commissioner. I believe that was he was not made a deputy awaiting his uh, much awaited graduation from the prestigious Excelsior College. With me and him are both um, graduates, of you know. <laughs> so, so I, that's 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 my opinion on it. But I, I Alumada. I, <laughs> we're both Alma Maz, right? That's our uh we're, we're gonna we're gonna have a reunion. <laughs> uh, but like I believe like again the nepotism is insane. The the double standard is insane that we're seeing. It's 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 almost it's almost laughable at this point, right? It's completely laughable. So I'm I'm putting up a post here now, and it's a post of Kaz Daughtry that he put on his account and later deleted. So from humble beginnings, thank you to Matt and the team at Bronx Narcotics for presenting me with this beautiful tribute to my career and the greatest police department in the world. So Matt and Narcotics Bureau make him a nice uh, a nice plaque for showing from detective to deputy commissioner. Right. Uh, But on his desk. You clearly see a PlayStation five controller. Um, So as a joke. Uh, because and again, Kaz, I don't really monitor your social media like you do mine. I really could care less. I make my own posts. I don't really look at anybody's stuff other than my own or if something pops in my feed real quick because I'm just drinking my coffee in the morning. So but this was sent to me so many times. And then the fact that you deleted it, I just thought was hysterical. So I just I tweeted out there on a recently deleted X post. You can see how NYPD Daughtry went from humble beginnings to having a PS5 controller ahead of his keyboard in his luxury downtown Manhattan office. Can anyone guess his username of Call of Duty? And I said balls and strikes. And the reason I said that is John Shell had taken a dig at myself and Eric earlier in the day when he was talking about the number of followers that viral news have, and the others don't have as many followers because in the world of this administration and this egotistical um, place that is now the New York City Police Department, they believe that the number of followers you have on social media equates to your character or the work that you do or something along those nature. And obviously me and Eric, could care less because if we were doing this for followers, we wouldn't be talking about 95% of the things that we talk about.
1: That is, John, I can't agree with you more. Like John said, if we were doing this for followers and for likes, we'd probably talk about different topics and we'd get a lot more support and not face the opposition that we're facing at this point, we need the slander, the smear campaign that we're getting, all the hate mail, we're getting on a daily basis. On a daily basis, either John's getting a prank phone call, I'm getting a prank text. John's getting uh, his attack, his account's getting attacked. I'm getting fake monikers, DMs through Instagram. Tell me, don't talk about this one. Don't talk about that one. This is every day. I mean, it's just it's like Jack in a Box. I open up my phone every morning. It's like, oh, what's next? Who's next? So, what I don't understand by this, if I was Cash Daughtry, if it was Eric Dim, Deputy Commissioner of Operations. And someone took a picture of me like this. And there was a PS5 controller. And John, you put out a post about it. I would be laughing my ass off. I would think it's hysterical. And if I was going to acknowledge it, maybe I would say a thumbs up. Hey, if you ever want to play Call of Duty, give me a call. Something funny. And then it would be over and nobody would talk about it. But the fact that you delete it and then in response as a knee-jerk reaction, You came out with a video actually talking directly to John that it's not a PS5 controller, it's a drone controller and trying to make a professional quasi-funny video to debunk what we're saying here. It's absolutely ridiculous. And Again, just like Hellgate had said, it's a rookie move. That's a rookie move also. You shouldn't even address it. You should laugh at it. You're the boss, right? Aren't you the boss? The man with the big pants? You're one of the you're one of the highly, how many people are actually underneath you of the New York city police department, the largest police department in the world. And you're offended by your joke? It's pretty funny. You should have laughed about it. And that's where you missed the mark. You've lacked the maturity and the understanding that it takes humor and humility to be a great leader. But well, you said your humble beginnings, but it doesn't co- correlate with the post that you put out there. And to John Shell, I can't less how many followers you have out there. Honestly, I think you're absolutely unprofessional. I think you act like a reckless cowboy. And just because you're the chief of patrol doesn't make you a tough guy. Just because Kaz Daughtry has been put in this position does not make him intelligent. It doesn't make you any better. Actually, it exposes your weaknesses, and you've exposed them yourself.
2: Yeah, the whole thing. So and like, just to go on the timeline of events and how ridiculous it really is, and how like thin skin they are. So it, so Cas Daughtry puts that that post out. He deletes it. I put that post out. It's I'm joking. I literally am joking. But by the way, I would play Call of Duty. Um, I'll download it. I, I actually sounds fun. I was a little jealous. And I don't think it's a big deal, by the way, if you're on meal or you take a break and you play Call of Duty on your break, which you do. I mean, let's call it what it is. John, I mean, John yes.
1: when you play this, you have to promise. I don't care if you play if you play this with a friend right now. You have to be named the BMS Warrior. That is going to be your name. I'll,
2: I'll make my name BMS Warrior, um, and you know, I won't <laughs> talk about it. Uh, but I, I'm not going to let you lose like the rest of the guys do. I'm not going to let you win. I'm just not. I'm not going to purposely lose. So Kaz Daughtry then proceeds to spend all day New York City taxpayer money, um, residence money. Police department resources to debunk this one tweet. So then he takes that same picture that I just that I just shared, and he crops the picture out, and he reposts it with the controller cropped out. Whatever. So and I I tweeted again to him, and I said, it's not really a big deal. I was only joking. You know, it's fine that, and I even give him the out. It's fine if you play Call of Duty on your your break or you play PS5 on your break, something like that. You know, I even give him the out. Let's just be done with it. Let's say we're done with it. At the same time, Alamo texts me and says, I bet you, I bet you any amount of money, he says it's a drone controller. And he proceeds to make some funny memes about it, right? And then Kaz Daughtry puts out this video. And he titles it, More Than Meets the Eye. There's more than meets the eye. The controller I'm holding is not for video games. It actually unlocks a powerful, life-saving tool allowing me to pilot a drone in flight of the other side of New York City. The latest advancement in technology uh, represents the next chapter in NYPD uh, NYPD PC's commitment to the NYPD at the forefront of innovation. More to come, right? Um, sounds great. Only problem is the controller that he now shows is no longer is no longer uh, um, is no longer a PS five controller. It's a black Xbox controller. Clearly. The other thing is, if it wasn't a big deal, why'd you delete the post? Why'd you crop out the controller? And by the way, you're the boss. So what do you even care? I would just leave it on there and not give two craps about it at all. <laughs> like, what do you even care about? And so that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, what do you even care? Yeah, because I, I play Madden, because I play Call of Duty. Yeah, what? what when when I'm free and I feel like I want to do it, I, I'm I'm a, I'm determined. I'm allowed to determine when, when I when I could have time time. I live at work. Fair enough. Nothing needs more needs to be said. But now you could see this started in the morning and goes through not all the way up to up to this video, and you'll clearly see him sitting in a gamer chair inside of One Police Plaza, Captain America gamer chair, and. It just, it just leads into question, what actually is going on here? What was this promotion? Is he the best Call of Duty player? Was that what he achieved is why he is now the Deputy Commissioner of Operations? And it leads into this video about drones. And I think that kind of goes viral, this video. It goes viral in the media and everyone's talking about this drone program. And it really never gets brought up that... This was a completely w- immature w- response to a social media critic. It was completely immature. What do you, what do you think about that, Eric?
1: You know, again, I, you know, I, I just I find it hard to believe that he was in the thick of it and had the camaraderie with the men and women of this job. And actually, you know what? I guess he didn't. I, because he was, he was always with Jeffrey Madry his entire career. So he was pretty much, uh, he was pretty much protected, and, and, and he operated under a different blanket. Because when you're with the men and women, that's part of it. That's part of being a cop is having that thick skin and being able to take jokes. We joke with each other. It's 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 part of the culture. I mean, I, I said it before when I was a special operations lieutenant, when I was a crime sergeant. If I had that picture. The guys would abuse me plenty of times. I had pictures and they made fun of me and they superimposed me naked or superimposed like, you know, uh, pictures of, you know, genitalia, in my face, like funny things. And you laugh at it, that's what you're supposed to do. And you know what, when you laugh at it and when you have humor in yourself, people forget about it, you move on. But the fact that he took this to heart and so sensitive that it bothered him, that he had to spend who knows? It's supposed to take the entire day to come up with this video to address it to a podcast. You are supposed to be a man of power. You're supposed to be stoic. I say it all the time. You're your leader. You're, you're in charge of, of what you know of the largest police department in the country. You should be professional and you should be stoic and you should have the humility to just laugh it off and forget about it. If anything, he should have said, Hey, look at my controller. We're playing Call of Duty tomorrow if you guys want to play. Laugh it off. in the fun. But to act out in this manner, is is not only is it a rookie move, it just shows a, a lot of immaturity, but it also shows, you know, a, a, a weakness in, in, in his own armor that if this is bothering him, I really I feel sorry for the men and women that are in the police department right now because what if someone makes a mistake or asks ask him a question? Is he going to is he going to take that as, as a personal attack? What's going to happen to that person, in their career? I mean, he's he's been trying to attack this podcast, and we're in our retirement, so there's not much he can do. But what about some poor young man or young woman in the police department right now? What position are they in if they attack, or if at least he feels perceived that they attack his persona and his ego? What are your thoughts on that, John? Because that's scary.
2: Yeah, it should be really scary how egotistical he was. And I think that's the real media story. And like I said, the entire media apparatus of New York City is afraid of the New York City Police Department, is afraid of the criticism. Um, There is a consensus out there by the New York media that the Deputy Commissioner of Public Information, Tariq Shepard, bullies them. Um, They don't they will be removed from access if they if they take any criticisms or they write anything that's unfavorable towards the New York City Police Department. And by the way, there's a rumor floating around that Tariq Shepard will be the next police commissioner. I don't know if it's true or not. And Kaz Daughtry will be the next first deputy commissioner. Don't know if that's true either. Um, From what I see, Kaz is basically running the police department right now, and you see John Shell and you see, uh, you know, the other token pale face, uh, Michael Kemper. You see them like bowing down. They basically should just give him big leaves, like big like a uh, feathers, so they could like fan him and feed him grapes. Because what you see is is he's constantly he's running the, the police department at this point. And what you're going to see in this video, based upon this tweet, now this is all day. Now this is at night, and he creates this video. And it goes viral in the media, and he's doing a complete media tour to debunk one thing that he had a PS5 controller on his desk. And he basically lies about that, never responds to why he deleted that, that that tweet. And again, I don't believe we'll get into that later, too. Where we I don't believe that once you tweet something, you shouldn't be able to delete it as a New York City official, regardless of what agency you're in. You should this is a tax, this is a taxpayer funded good. You are not a king. You are a public servant, regardless of your title. And I agree with you 1000%. I feel very bad for the men and women in the New York City Police Department. By the way, the 101 CO remain the 101 CO. I wonder why. You're welcome. And, (laughs) and, and, And so I'm gonna play this video right now. This was the video response to my tweet. And then Eric, I wanna get your thoughts on that video after.
0: Oh. oh, hey, I bet you probably thought I was playing a video game. I don't know, maybe something like Call of Duty. Actually, I'm not. I'm using this controller here from Manhattan at One Police Plaza, controlling drones on top of the 47 prison. They're in our infancy stages, but the goal is we're going to be utilizing these drones for public safety and beach safety. We're gonna deploy these drones on a beach. The pilots will be flying up and down the beach, keeping beach goers and swimmers safe. The goal is this summer, there's gonna be a payload on this drone that God forbid if somebody's having an emergency in the water, whether it be if they're caught in a riptide, whether it be if they're drowning, the payload, the drone operator can hit a button. It will drop what's called a rust tube. Soon as that tube hits the water, it opens up into a flotation device just as our honorable new york city police commissioner edward caban has stated he will continue to utilize new technology to keep all new yorkers safe
3: well
1: first off honorable honorable police commissioner okay you heard that <laughs> He referred to uh, Ed Caban as the honorable police commissioner. Uh, if, if you consider him honorable the fact that he's never around and he's been completely insignificant and has no purpose, well then I got problems with uh, your own mindset, your character. So I mean, first of all, this video is, is completely a joke that they spent probably the entire day addressing this. And actually he specifically turns and he's talking to you. He's talking to John. He's talking to this podcast. Oh, Oh, you thought I was playing a video game. I mean, he might as well say, hey, John McCarrie, Eric Dimm, I'm going to be talking to you because they're constantly doing it. They've made an entire Dream Team montage talking subliminal messages to this podcast. I think it's a a complete waste of taxpayer money. It's completely unprofessional. And, And how do we know that? Not only did they put out this video, which is, and I guess at some point, maybe someone realized in the police department that, We need to put out a professional version that this video was then edited to what was put out by the NYPD on the NYPD's page. It was edited to remove the part where he turns his head and says, oh, what did you you think I was playing Call of Duty? And they play the rest of it. And what Cass Daughtry doesn't know, and this is probably, or maybe he does know, this would hurt him even more. John and I have received numerous, from independent sources, anonymous from each other, different videos that were edited as a joke in response to his video. And there was even one video where Kaz Daughtry has the same entire video and his drones flying over, watching people at the beach that, that are having sex. We can't We can't play that video for here, we wouldn't anyway. It's completely inappropriate for this. We wanna keep this professional. But he thinks it's just us that are mocking his rookie move and his inability to take humor because there's numerous videos that have been edited and made to mock your response to this podcast. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's a waste of money. We should be talking about public safety. You should not be worried about the critique of two lieutenants. I mean, there's going to be critique from all different types of sources. Even Joe Rogan critiqued the dance team of the NYPD. Is Kaz Daughtry now going to respond and say something to Joe Rogan? I haven't heard him, but no, he says it to us because we're retired lieutenants. So somehow he, he feels some type of power over us that he believes he could do that but he doesn't have any power over us absolutely not What what is your response on that
2: well i think that i think ultimately there will be some type of drummed up criminal allegation and i believe there is currently one against myself at this moment in time but i do believe at some point you will see the weight of the police department come down on myself and you and this podcast. I believe that they will drum up some type of ridiculous criminal allegation that has nothing to do with public safety in New York City. And you could see the sole focus is on ego and perception, not on actual public safety. And, in their, and the New York City Police Department is being led by children. It's being like that video response is embarrassing. It's embarrassing to me. The entire back and forth actually became even more embarrassing i'm like wow i can't believe that this is the upper echelon of the nypd and this basically confirms for me that all of these people that were transferred and all of these people that were threatened i mean you could clearly see that there's an angst so mad about the fact that how dare you call out the fact that I have a PS5 controller. Oh, and by the way, I'm just gonna utilize police resources and God knows how much money, how much taxpayer money the entire day to debunk why I have a PS5 controller on my desk. And instead of actually just acknowledging it, several lies are told in that video. And then you see what I have up on the screen now is I have the chief of patrol, token pale face, the biggest disappointment i think in this entire administration he should be the first person removed out of this look at this response he retweets kaz dautry's video and this is direct smear on my on my Maya on my uh, on my, uh service to the new york city police department and by the way i've made more arrests than chief john shell i've had a better career than chief john shell i till today exhibit better character than chief john shell until today i'm more respected in the nypd than chief john shell and he knows it and it eaten him alive so what does he tweet life-saving technology at nypd daughtry you're building out tech like a bms warrior Two years in building maintenance, right? BMS, building maintenance section. A regular Bob the Builder in erratic situations. Yeah, I've been in erratic situations, John. Um, Thankfully, I've never killed anyone. And I definitely, if I did, God forbid, I wouldn't be bragging about it like some people do. But this tech will make our our city safer especially children on our beaches and guys off the street. And this is where I was like, I retweeted this. And I was like, is is this real life? Is this really going on in the New York City? Is this the people that lead this one story department? Is this people that lead, honestly, truly (laughs) the best men and women across law enforcement in this country? Because there's still great cops. There's still great sergeants. There's still great detectives, inspectors, chiefs. There's still great people on this job. But not in the upper echelon, there's not. Well, first of all,
1: John Shell is a very lucky man to be in the position that he's in. He should never brag about what he did. He took a life. And his story, his indication was that it was an accidental discharge. I said this before, I'll say it again. I learned in the Marine Corps, there are no accidental discharges. Just stupidity and just completely reckless. You took the life of another because you accidentally fired your weapon and you are now leading the dream team. You should absolutely not be in the position that you are in. You should not be a chief in charge of the illustrious unit. Why do we see it right now? You're in charge of these cowboys. And I say cowboys, because they're following your cowboy persona. So now you got cowboys out there who think it's okay to be a cowboy. Because like, apparently maybe this lieutenant thinks it's okay. You know what? If John Shell, and you know what? And if he's thinking that, he's kind of right. If John Shell could take the life of another and be a chief chief of patrol, then you know what? If I stomp someone on the head, I could become a chief one day too. I didn't mean it it was an accident. It was an accidental stomp. And I I do believe that. In, in, in In order to not be able to move up the ranks, we have to be fair and equitable and say, well, did this person do something worse? Uh, than someone else i think what john what john shell did it's far worse he took the a life of another by accidental discharge complete stupidity i learned that in America you keep your finger finger off the trigger until you intend to fire and we learned that in the police department also but you know what let's not give john shell more attention than he already than, than he already wants uh, that's what he wants he wants more followers so go yeah, go like and follow john shell if you like Weak appointed management and, and reckless cowboys, go follow him. That you're right. He's the best. So let's yeah.
2: talk about this. Ne- well, yeah, oh yeah, of course. With his feather. Him and Kemper with the feather over Kaz stroking his ego. So let's talk, let's talk about stroking egos, Eric. Let's talk about stroking oh. egos.
1: Absolutely. So this video if, if you're going to be able to play it, this video is actually an interview that Cass Daughtry did. Talk about his role, which I had said earlier as the Deputy Commissioner of Operations. And if you listen to the duties and responsibilities that he indicates, it really mirrors the role of the Chief of Department. Because ultimately, he is acting as the Chief of Department, which is why Jeffrey Madry has been MIA. He's absolutely full of that role. He's made, This has been completely circumvented. As he's in a civilian role, he's operating with the power, the accountability and responsibility of the Chief of Department. So he does give an interview. And was completely... You know, just completely upsetting and it's laughable is how Chief uh, Chief Michael Kemper, who's also part of this interview, just completely massages the ego of Kaz Daughtry. It's absolutely disgusting. I mean, just to hear another man talk about that, it's just sad, especially Chief Michael Kemper has far more experience. He went through the ranks, he studied, took the test, and for him to have to massage this guy's ego is absolutely ridiculous. But he chose to do it. Nobody held him a gun, a gun to his head to make him do it so uh are you able to play it or you want to talk
2: about it i mean i think we should just talk about it's 22 minutes i don't think anybody wants to hear it um if you do want to hear it go to to nypd daughtry on twitter or his instagram and it's 22 minute interview at the arthur idala power hour am 970. um i have that that up on the screen that's what it looks like and again, it's to talk about leveraging technology and strengthening our partners with local, state, and federal agencies to keep people safe. The days of lawlessness are over, the future's now. And basically, again, it's just to talk about, again, like Eric said, the drones, and that we now have a double position of the chief of department because that's what he did. He gave he gave the, the duties and responsibilities of Chief Jeffrey Madry, who's been MIA, by the way. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think we need to play it, but I think that you should listen to it if you want to hear the character and integrity of the token pale faces in the upper echelon of the NYPD. Because you could clearly hear Mike Camper; He has stuff all over his face, all over his chin. He should take a napkin and wipe it all over. I don't even know how you look yourself in the mirror after that or how you don't get abused by everyone in your office, including anyone, all the way down from the low man, all the way up to the high man, because it, it's it's honestly disgusting. Regardless if this was just a complete ego stroke job, the entire media apparatus in New York City is just talking about these drones and the life saving technology. To to just talk about the drones for a second, I think they're a great idea. Do you know where they got the idea to start utilizing drones from? The finest unfiltered, baby. Right? They're using them for. Uh, we didn't. We didn't actually specifically say anything about the lifeguards, although I think it's a great idea. I don't think that the police department should be doing it. However, I think it should be conducted by New York City Parks Department. I don't know why the the New York City Police Department would be using them on beaches other than just to monitor. I could see in that way. But for life-saving technology, I think that's maybe something you would would want on the parks and maybe higher there where the money would be cheaper. But again, Eric Adams does not care about saving money. He only cares about spending it. So. I think it's a great technology, but when you talk about the drones and the use of car pursuits, you heard that here when we spoke about vehicle pursuits. I believe the summer before last when we first started doing that, another podcast that they hated completely hated that. You heard that idea here first, and they actually implemented that idea. So I think that the technology is good. I don't think that the police department necessarily should be there. Maybe ESU, maybe something like that. Uh, I definitely think it's a great thing, but again. That was not the reason for this video the re- and that was not set up to unleash at that time or anything it, this was a direct egotistical narcissistic response to a tweet that he was not happy with and this is what the NYPD is spending their time and money on uh, absolutely absolutely the response was not organic
1: and it was completely malicious the intent of the response by that video was not to inform the public that they have this apparatus that they have the ability with this technology for life-saving life-saving techniques i'm open to it you know i i i definitely think it's something should be explored as far as uh, another task for the police department with crime out of control right now i agree with you i think the new york city park i think the parks department or another agency could take the helm of that any opportunity to have better technology no one wants to step away from that absolutely we always need more technology to evolve as, uh, as the era goes on with technology and artificial intelligence, absolutely, the police department has to keep up and find more innovative ways to keep up. At the same time, I don't believe that that video was for that purpose. But what's also important to know: so anyone that takes the opportunity to watch that interview, you know, I believe, John and I both spoke about this, I don't believe that interview was organic either. I think there was definitely a conversation before that, hey, can you spruce up Cash Daughtry so that... He appears to be the man in charge of the police department. And it's, it's really a complete stroke job. We hear the interviewer say numerous times during the interview. Oh, thank you so much for being here, which, yeah, that's something you hear, but almost begging. It doesn't even sound natural. You hear it sounds completely artificial. Like, please, Cas George, can you come on again? Can you please come on? Please, will you tell us you'll come on? And then she's telling Mike, uh, Michael, Kevin, Mike, you, you'll, you'll bring him on again. Right. Right. And Mike's, Oh, absolutely. I'll bring him on. I mean, Kemper could not have massaged his ego anymore. And I didn't think that Cass Dauchy returned the favor. I thought that Cass Daughter was kind of condescending to him, which uh which I, I really really uh we see the interaction that's actually going on right now. And I think that I think that Michael Kemp is completely being stepped on and he's allowing it, which which we know. He's, he's just being the uh, the token outcast, and he's allowing them to step all over him when he has far more experience than they do. I mean we don't agree with most of the stuff he says, but at least he did go through the ranks, did take these tests. He has much more ability experience than Cash Daughter. Why is he besides indigo?
2: <laughs> I mean, they were the most compliant though. Let's let's really face it. What, what was Mike Kemper the most competent cop coming up? I don't think so. Was he the most competent supervisor coming up? think so was john shell i don't think so right but what were they they hung around the longest and they were the most compliant and they basically they're two guys that are they're conservative i don't care in my opinion they're conservative you're not you could clearly tell when they go on conservative radio or conservative media the things they talk about the things they ignore not to talk about the things that they say they appear to be trump supporting conservatives and, you know, um, and you don't see that when they're at work. So I believe, honestly, they're the worst of the worst because they're not even truly who they are. You don't even know who those guys are. You could put them, you know, if I became mayor tomorrow, they would be conservative, stop question frisk, uh, Trump loving guys and, you know, but no, right now they're progressives, you know, they're progressives and, and they they are. So I have no respect for them at all, at all, you know, um, and I, I really, truly, again, shows how weak the leadership is in the NYPD and why you're seeing guys, young guys, punching perpetrators while they're handcuffed, while you're seeing a lieutenant running around with vehicle crashes all over the entire city in a a reckless manner and stepping on a guy's head when he's face down and there are two guys on top of him. It all stems from the leadership and there is none. And that's what we've been seeing, And that's what we've been saying. And that's why we're hated for it. And I honestly don't care. Like the truth's a terrible thing, opinions are terrible things, but it shouldn't be this scary because we're not the only ones seeing it. Re- right now, the media is being very friendly to you, but there will come a time where that tide's going to turn. And again, I won't be there jumping up and down, but I will point it out. Well,
1: John, I spoke about this all the time, and it's it's quite funny. You know? We're we're very critical. Of Eric, uh, Eric Adams, the mayor. I, I mean, John is, you know, far probably his number one critic. But uh, this podcast as a whole very critical of Mayor Eric Adams. But one part that he that I, I do agree when he says, the uh, the haters become his waiters. You know, initially we thought maybe he's talking about this podcast, but really what he's talking about is Chief Michael Kemper. He's talking about Chief John Shell. He's talking about all these guys that badmouthed Eric Adams before he became the mayor, that they said, this guy wasn't a cop. We know what they were saying. How do we know we were there? I retired September of 2022, and I heard prior, when Mayor Eric Adams was running his campaign, I heard the scuttlebutt, what people were saying about him. And I now hear those same people talk about Eric Adams like he's the messiah. And so you know what? Eric Adams, I have to say, you know what? When it comes to that... I applaud you, man. I agree with you. It's pretty funny. You're probably sitting home. You got your hands back in your head. You sit back with your feet up, and and you're saying to yourself, can you believe these guys? These guys hate me. They talk so bad about me, but now they're kissing my feet. And you know what? If I was you, I'd be laughing too because you know what? As the tides turn, if one day John decided to run for mayor, or if I decided to, I really don't have any interest in that. But let's just say, for instance, Let's play a game. If John was made for a day or I was made for a day, as much as they hate us and the stuff that they're saying about us now, the tide would completely change. And they would say, John, oh, you were were outstanding BMS warrior. You were the best at building meetings. You were fantastic. You were the best sergeant. We love you. You know what? Every plan you come up with is fantastic. They would tell me, Eric, you know what? You were the most complete cop. We were cheering for you. We love you. That's exactly what they're doing. That's exactly what they were doing. That's what they, exactly what they're doing to Eric Adams. So you know what, Eric Adams, when it comes to that, Mayor, I salute you. I agree with you. These guys are fools, and you're laughing, and I'm laughing with you. Oh, <laughs> this, is, this is a great picture. Here we go. Dan, <laughs> what do you got, John?
2: No, no, but I, I, again, I, that's exactly what it is. They're the waiters that 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 Eric Adams speaking of and 100% they would they would reverse roles in a second turn in one second on a dime that's just what they've shown that's their character they're the most compliant the the and and they're liars honestly they lie completely to the public you know they'll go to a scene and be like this isn't this isn't the overall we're doing great work you know this that the other thing and 100% i i agree with you 100% if i was mayor today or you were mayor today They would switch everything say eric adams is an idiot but the other thing right before we get off of them the other thing that really like comes home to roost for me is i see a lot of knocks on my career even though i affected more rest than both of them and i'm more respected than both of them in the new york city police department and i believe myself to be more competent than them if i was in their position things would be uh, run a lot differently and and run a lot smoother. And I think I've exhibited that over my 18 years, especially in my time in in leadership ranks on the streets of New York City, um, not cowering away while I was a sergeant, things of that nature. But the real clear thing is, take Kaz Daughtry, who believes himself to be the smartest street warrior ever, who had numerous issues while he was on the street, questionable tactics, questionable decisions, uh, questionable integrity, John Shell, Take all of them, right? John isn't the ultimate warrior, right? He's He's been on the street his whole career. Mike Kemper was administrator on the street, not on the street, overall view of the New York City Police Department. But take those guys and give them a police officer. Give them this one police officer. Let's blank out his name. Let's blank out his tax number and have them evaluate this one particular police officer. And that one particular police officer is going to be by the name of Eric Leroy Adams. So when we give his overall career, I would love to know what their thoughts are about Eric Adams prior to him being named versus when he's named. And then tell me that they're leaders and tell me that they have integrity and then tell me they're, they're there to tell you the truth because they're liars, and that's why they'll never come on this podcast, not because we'll speak over them, not because we'll be discourteous to them, not because we would attack them, but because they have no integrity and they're liars. They would, if you gave the name of Eric Leroy Adams, they would say, this is great. These are all the great things that this police officer did, that this sergeant did, that this lieutenant did. These are all his achievements, all his great stuff that he did. But if I gave them without the name, you would hear a totally different aspect and by the way i'm willing eric's willing i'll put my career side by side with all three of you. and i don't think he, he or any of yous could shine our shoes so that's my personal opinion
1: outstanding brother let, let me tell you something. that's the best analogy i've ever heard you give i agree with you that's that is fantastic you had a police officer you had their file and they had to make an evaluation without seeing the name that Dude, that's outstanding. Because you know what? It's exactly what I've been saying. Since we started this podcast, I said, you know what's so interesting and what's different about you and I, John, that's different from other people that talk about policing, is that our conversation on this podcast is the same conversation we have on the phone. It's the same conversation we have in the locker room. It's the same conversation we have with friends, wives, family. The conversation always remembers r- remains the same. We wouldn't have to worry that, God forbid, if we were somewhere and there was a recorder and we were recorded on our conversation, it would be the same conversation as podcast. And that's exactly what John just alluded to. If Michael Kemper and John Shell were having a conversation about that police officer's record, which happens to be Leroy, Leroy uh, Eric Leroy Adams, it would be a completely different recorded conversation than what they would say to the public. and that is where they lack integrity and they're just complete used car salesmen. and they're lying to the public. I don't even know how they do it, how they lie right through their teeth when they tell the public that everything's fine, we're doing great, the Bay has a great plan. And they know if they were caught having a conversation about that at home or somewhere else, it would be a complete different conversation. If they would be caught with their pants down, that's what makes us different. That's what makes us a threat to this podcast. You're 100% right. That's why they won't come on here. We have a great track record. Every time we have someone come on this podcast, if they're in favor of this podcast, our views, or if they're in opposition, they get professionalism, and they get respect. And we would honor the same to Michael Kemper or John Shell if they came on this podcast. And even Kaz Daughtry, he would have the floor. He would have an opportunity to speak. He would be treated with professionalism and respect. But they would never come on this podcast because the conversation would not be real and the conversation would not match their
2: actual views. Absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, they're they're more than welcome to come on here. But instead, they'll just say that we forgot where we came from. We're spreading misinformation and we weren't real cops. I don't know what a real cop is. I guess Eric Adam was a real cop and myself and Eric weren't. So I pulled up a a meme that the great – powerful alamo defender one on twitter had had has uh made don't just say i love new york city come dance it live on tv and do everything but policing join the NYPD today a message from new york city mayor eric adams mayor swagger party department of uh republic of new york so he may makes this meme it looks like kind of the recruitment ads that they've been they've been uh sending around New York City. Uh, but obviously it's it's satire, and it's focused on the dance team, like dance team got abused. They got abused. It went national and went viral. no need to play that video, but I believe it was on WPIX 11. Um, And, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's wrong. Eric Adams brings them up now. Um, He brings them to Gracie Mansion. They go on a a media tour with Deputy Commissioner Tariq Shepard. They're, you know, oh, it's wrong. We're being shamed. A lot of the comments I did see were wrong. They were body shaming women. They were doing things of that nature. Um, But I understand the criticism. And I, I find it funny that the deputy commissioner of public information doesn't understand the criticism that the NYPD, because obviously they had to get approval from him to go out and go on the news and do that. Now, whether it was on their own time or job time is not really much of a concern for me um, because there's other things that happen on job time. Shouldn't be studying on job time, by the way, maybe an hour a day, but your whole day should not consist of studying on the job. If you did, I mean, you're a person of low integrity, the way I believe it, because I studied four hours a day after after work every day. That's how I did. That's how I studied. I did it. I didn't steal from the people in New York on my breaks. I would study. I would have candid conversations in between about it. But I don't think it's a big deal whether they went on this interview on job time or not on job time or attended some events on job time. If the majority of their day consisted of them being on the dance team, that's a problem. That's not what happens. There's numerous other organizations in the NYPD, the baseball team, the football team, the boxing team, the, the, the spin team. There's a million the yoga team. I, I don't know. There's a million different things, and I think they're good. And I think the dance team's good. Eric, what are your overall thoughts on the dance team and the reaction to it? Well, I have no
1: I have no problem that there's a taekwondo team, a dance team. Cops should have outlets. The cops—it's—it's it's part of mental health. Absolutely, they need outlets, uh, outlets. But I think what's problematic here, this is the tip of spear, the spear—the tip of the spear of the stuff that is being put out to the public. And frankly, the public is just tired of it. The cops are tired of it because it's not addressing the real pressing issues. You know, we're parading around the Hispanic Society. We're parading around uh the Taekwondo team. We're parading around different fraternal organizations, and then we're parading out the dance team. So I just think at this point, it was kind of laughable at this point. I think people are just tired of it. They're frankly tired of seeing it. They want to see that the real issues are being addressed. Are we addressing the crime issues? Are we addressing the recruitment problem, the mass excess, the morale, the real issues, rather than parading the dance team around saying that everything's okay. If everything was okay and everything was fine and dandy and normal, then I could say we could We could memorialize the dance team and and honor them and and talk about this stuff. And then it wouldn't be such a big deal. People would probably not even notice. But because there's so much more far-pressing issues, it becomes an eyesore. The other problem that I have, this is a personal level, right? So I'm I'm a huge advocate for physical fitness It correlates to your mental health and being sharp and being prepared. And I do believe that all cops should take part in some type of self-defense program or combat sport. That would be judo, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, boxing, something, and or weightlifting. You need to, your body and mind need to prepare. And usually what I hear is excuses. Well, we don't have the time to do this. So that's where I have a problem. I'm okay. Every cop should have an outlet. But if you have time to be part of a Taekwondo team, I'm sorry, not a Taekwondo team, because that is a a self-defense program. But if you have the time to be part of a dance program, then you have the time to train, to do some weightlifting, to take part of a combat sport, especially right now with this new phenomenon and cops are under attack. And even the other day in an article, they put out the percentages of numbers of cops are being attacked. And even with the, even showing the precincts that they have the highest rate of attacks against all of these. And it happens to be the 4 0 precinct was the number one precinct. That's where it worked in the confines of the 4 0 precinct doing work in special operations at PSA 7. So that's where I I have an issue with it. Do I have an issue with the dance team? I think it's completely wrong that they were doing the body shaving and making fun of these women. Listen, if that is their method for physical fitness and doing some dance, I don't have a problem with it. But right now, it is the tip of the spear not addressing the real issues, and it does show that cops do have the time to train, and they need to be prepared for this violence right now that's going on because ultimately, if they're not, it's going to lead to death.
2: I I don't have a problem with the dance team, honestly, and I I don't even have a problem if that's their sole form of exercise. I agree with you that people should lift weights. People should should get into martial arts. But if this is what you want to do for physical and mental health, it's your prerogative as a police officer, as any any citizen. You know, I do believe dancing is a very um, physical activity. I do. You know, I, I I hung out with a lot of kids that were into break dancing. Um, I'll tell you, they were shredded. They were jacked. They were strong. They could fight. Um, it wasn't, you know, it, it, it depending the type of dancing you do. I mean, it, it is great not just for your mental and physical health, but I think overall, again, what we see here is a lack of leadership. Now, the response I would have expected, as the deputy commissioner of information of public information, that should have been denied request to go on the media, if it was even a request. He might have been the person that put him up to going on, on, on the news. At the time where we have a crime crisis going on, and I don't care that that there's a whole perception campaign that crime is down, crime is up. Crime is up almost 20% since Eric Adams took office. It's even higher from when you're looking at the 2018 time time frame. So crime's up. Crime is up in New York City. And now we're seeing we're seeing a, 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 a police department that's not being transparent. We're seeing that. And we have this now growing migrant crime crisis. And What are they trying to do? Change the perception on that. So people don't feel safe in New York City. They don't feel safe on New York subways. Um, and what happens we send the nypd dance team under the banner of the nypd to go out and dance and the public even those that support the nypd and even those that that support the women that were that were on this dance team and what they're going to do to work with the community even though they so they're sitting there and they're saying what the hell is going on this is what the nypd is focused on I don't take, I can't, I don't take the train into Manhattan anymore. I don't stay after work anymore. I rush out of there. I'm afraid nightly. And, and, and in all the outer boroughs too, you see growing crime, Staten Island crime is through the roof. And yet this is what, this is what we're paying police officers to do, even though they're not paying them. This is the perception this is the perception of the public again this is failed leadership and the nypd set these girls up to be abused and shamed publicly on the stage and it's their lack of leadership that caused all the public outcry and backlash that you see
1: i'm glad you mentioned that because i I really do honestly i feel sorry for the the girls that took the ladies that took part in this dance team because i ultimately they took the blunt of this because it was a bit it was poor decision making To have them out in the public right now on the media, especially with just how adversarial the city is at this point. So I agree. I really feel sorry for these the, the women that that they've been attacked. Because ultimately, who should be attacked at this point for this, for them doing this dance routine right now on the news while this is all going on? It should be the leadership. It should be Mayor Eric Adams. It should be Police Commissioner missing an action Ed Caban. It should be Jeffrey Madry missing an action. It should be Cash Dorothy, John Shell, Chief Kemper. They are the ones who should take responsibility, DCPI, Tariq Shepard, for having his inability to make quick and good, sound decisions. They set these girls up for failure. So, to the women that are part of this dance team, if you watch this podcast, uh, just, we understand that we're actually in support of you. You know, John said it right. If that's your mean uh, means of physical fitness great. I believe that all police officers should have an outlet. You should have a hobby. Your identity should not just be a cop. And if your thing is dancing, God bless. But please, I'm asking you for your safety. If you if you're part of this dance team and you're out there and you're on the streets, if you have the time to dance, I think you should continue to do it. God bless you. We support you. But that also says you have time to train to be prepared for violence. So if you do that, I have no issues. Please take care of yourself. Uh, And I'm sorry that, you you know, really, honestly, to the women out there, I'm sorry that you're facing these attacks. It's the leadership that set you up for it. And anyone mature enough can see right through that and knows that ultimately, you know, I I know, I think it was the the captain of the dance team. It was, uh, I I heard her speak and, and, and she was actually very professional and she showed a great presence. She showed a lot of poise and she said, you know what? She kind of laughed at the fact that had these attacks. She took it very well. But uh, I don't know her name, but to that to that girl, I mean, you showed some great strength. And you stood up. So we have no issues with you. We just have an issue with the timing. And it's really the leadership to blame that you they put you in this position. So don't stop dancing. But please, right now, stay, stay out of the media right now, especially with what's going on. The public needs the real issues to be addressed. And unfortunately, they're not. You were a distraction. Man, Eric Adams used you as a distraction for what's really going on. And for that, it's in disgrace what they did
2: to you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I I, I wasn't against the the dance team, but it's it's just that the public perception of it should have been expected. The outcry should have been expected. And obviously social media does not have the best people on there with the best character and they say ridiculous things. I mean, if you if you want to just check, you could look at my social media and see the responses. <laughs> I could tweet anything and you could see the response. To, I could tweet a Bible verse and you could see the people what they respond to it. I mean, so you're going to get you got to expect that in the public eye. And 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 that's what it is. You know, so shout out to you. No problem. I'll come dance with you. I'm the disco king of Staten Island. In case you guys didn't know anyway, uh, I definitely have more rhythm than Eric Adams and his entire upper echelon. I could definitely dance better than all of them. That I will guarantee you, Um, you know, and uh, so I have no problem with it. And I I think uh, I think we should we should start to end. And I think before we end, we should go back on to, again, the failed leadership of the NYPD. On what they've been doing and there's a reporter named talia jane i'm actually blocked from seeing any of her stuff she's not a big fan of me because i called her out on the fact that she is a leftist and the fact that she just happens to show up where cop cars are vandalized where things are there and she just happens to be there every time these things happen um she has a well-known beef with uh, leroy press viral news who you guys I'm sure you guys are all familiar with and you know and you know we think we're a big fan of his work we think he does great work on covering the crime crisis um you know I think he's a big fan of Kaz Daughtry he's a big fan of Chief Shell and I think he's become more fond of the New York City Police Department in, in in months so I will say I agree with Viral News's stance on how he feels about Talia Jean um but what we saw happened is Kaz Daughtry, the chief of department, the chief of patrol. And I believe another account, um, another account retweeted something that Talia Jane put out. And it was basically her opinion on it. And now her opinion is awful, right? Like you could see cops getting assaulted and she'll say the cops assaulted these people and they moved in. And, you know, obviously it's not accurate. But who's the bearer of truth? Who's the bearer of truth? Is the NYPD policing social media? Is uh and then what what happened after they did that? They they so what they did is they retweeted Talia Jane and they started saying these day, the days of you spinning false narratives are over. And they all did it and they all made separate comments. And I don't even want to go through them because they're just completely unprofessional. They look the same way like that BMS done with the Bob the Builder thing. They look completely unprofessional. And then later they deleted them. And I'm just I I'm just starting to see that this is becoming a pattern. Anyone in opposition of the NYPD, the NYPD, the upper management, is so focused on perception, not public safety. Because although I agree with their stance on Talia, it's not your job. It's not your job. This is what you're focusing energy on. This is what you're focusing energy on. There's thousands and thousands of 911 calls coming over every day. There's thousands of emergency incidents every day that need your attention. Not the back and forth on social media online. This is not what's important. How many followers you have, what people are saying about incidents, what your job is, is to keep New York City public safe. And you're failing on doing that. You know, uh, listen. I think
1: Ty Jane is a complete fool and wacko, and that's my opinion. And you and I, in retirement as civilians, we have the right if we want to put out a critical opinion of it. We're open to that, and it's it's something that we can do. And same thing for viral news. However, when it comes to the police department, especially appointed management in a leadership position, I expect them to remain professional. I expect them to remain stoic and transparent could you imagine you Now, let's 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 compare let's compare this era to uh the era of ray kelly now ray kelly he was the commissioner and he was he led with the iron fist right he had control you want to talk about honorable i think it was we could call ray kelly honorable whether you agree with everything that he did his discipline stances his position But what we can agree with is he did have control over the police department, and he would never, under his leadership, and I can say this, we know it, he would never allow his chief of department, his chief of patrol, his deputy commissioner of operations to make unprofessional tweets in response to a leftist reporter. He would never allow that. For the most part, everyone was to be seen and not heard. Ray Kelly was the one that spoke to the public because he was professional. And back then, there were times I would say, wow, he never gives anyone the opportunity to speak, you know. But but unfortunately, now that we're in this position, I can understand his thought process back then. And he didn't trust that, that they would maintain that professionalism that he expects the public to see. But again, I, John, honestly, look at the comparison. I, we could never imagine under Ray Kelly as a former police commissioner, anyone to act in that manner. I don't believe he would ever allow it. And if it did happen, he would immediately put them in their place and he would make a public statement. He would make a public statement about that incident. What are your thoughts on that?
2: I think, you know, Ray Kelly didn't let anyone speak. And I think that's a great policy. And I'm going to knock myself and you a little bit here. Um, just based on the fact that we were police officers and we worked in the NYPD. I I think the... what. He thought was that, you know what, these people aren't too smart and they, they they don't have pretty good public relations skills and they shouldn't be out there speaking on behalf of the New York City Police Department. And I think that's what you're seeing a trend here is that they're taking very things very personally and they're not understanding that they're representing an agency and they're responding your weak, egotistical, opinionated response is your opinion. It should not come from the agency itself. Because although you might have the right opinion about one thing, you might have the wrong opinion about something else. And as much as I liked that they push back at that city, city councilman, as much as I like that they put out the video, as much as I like that they put out the statement, I think what we're seeing is you're not they're not being transparent in those statements. They're not saying it's not coming from an actual individual. Right. When I make a statement, when Eric makes a statement, we are standing behind our words. And I don't believe that when those are going out on their social media accounts, that they will ultimately stand behind those words. Oh, it's not me. I'm not in charge of my social media account. It's not me. You know, I don't I, I you know, and, and that's my bigger thing thing than everything. So I agree with Ray Kelly's policy. I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't let any of these guys speak. I think, you know, Kaz Daughtry, oh, hello there. I was like, I thought I was watching Family Matters and Urkel came back. He was reinvented. I was like, what? what is this? What is this? Like, this is what you spent your day doing. This is what the Deputy Commissioner of Operations is doing. I mean, and that's the bigger issue we're seeing with all of this. I agree with their stance on Talia. However, I think it's completely unprofessional. I think it has no business to happen in New York City. And Hellgate put out an article on them. Should they be allowed to delete their tweets? And I say absolutely not. I say it should be public record. And you need to stand behind it. Not only should it be public record, if that is your social media account, if that is Kaz Daughtry's social media account, if that is John Shell's social media account, you need to be held accountable for your actions and i believe honestly everything we've seen from the responses to my tweet to the responses to talia i believe that discipline should be involved for all of them anyone that responds absolutely i agree with
1: you
0: like
1: i said i I believe talia jane is a fool and a wacko but they're not in a position they're not in a position to make personalized opinions in response to her Mm -hmm. as a reporter she has a they talk about First Amendment. She has a First Amendment right to say what she feels, even though we're not in agreement of it. But let other reporters, let other journalists have that conversation and have that debate. Again, I think what you said is 100% right. They're representing an agency. They need to remain professional and stoic and operate as an agency representative, not as John Shell, the cowboy that's offended by it, that's going to respond, or not Cat Daughtry that's going to respond. You're responding as the chief of patrol on behalf of the new york city police department and that's the part i think we're missing the mark with this with this administration is that they think well the attack is on Cas daughter no the attack is on the deputy commissioner of operations in your position as a leader so they have to remove this personal emotion This a personal emotion that they have they are emotionally invested emotionally attached and the best leaders know how to emotionally detach themselves and that's what ray kelly understood that you he was able to emotionally detach himself and part of and, and he understood to, he had to remove those underlings to not get involved to ensure that they maintain that professionalism and stoicism and we didn't get to this point because there has to be one defined leader and he he didn't he controlled it he was the leader and he was the point of contact for the police department he was the mouthpiece but right now we have Cash Daughtry, who speaks to the public. Michael Kemper speaks to the public. Jeffrey Mandry occasionally speaks to the public. So we're having there's too much, there's too many voices going on. And we we and it's it's a lot of confusion for the public and especially for the police department to really define who's actually in charge of the police department. And I think that's uh that's another fault, and that's probably a
2: conversation for another day. Yeah, no, I agree. So, you know. Overall, nepotism is there. Nepotism is the leading factor. That is your path to success in the NYPD. Kiss the most butt. Make friends with the politicians. Bend your ego. Uh, I'm sorry, not bend your ego. Bend your integrity. Remove your integrity. Um, Deny your faith. Just be completely, absolutely compliant. And hopefully somebody likes you enough. To become there. Don't ever win in Call of Duty. Don't ever win in Call of Duty because then you're going to have a problem. But hopefully you're fun enough that they like playing with you, you know, and that's basically what's going on. I think nepotism, when we we go back to the first video that we shared when we talked about it and the investigative process is there and the discipline process, I believe we will see it. Um, and I, I think that video was egregious. And, and again, anyone that doesn't agree with my statements, Eric's statements, you're more than welcome to come on here. But I know you won't. You'll just slander and say whatever you like. And that's fine, too, because you just again, just prove that what we're saying is right. Uh, absolutely. Um, here we are. We're going on about two hours and 10 minutes. Uh, I want to thank the
1: audience, thank the public for watching us and be supportive of us especially uh, in this endeavor that we're having and the tax that we're getting from opposition. And for those that hate this podcast, we welcome your comments. Again, like John said, anyone, we welcome anyone on this podcast. We're not looking for likes or follows. You don't have to be high profile. We're willing to have ordinary men and ordinary women on this, com- uh, on this podcast. It's always open to conversation, to talk about any topics, any array of topics that, we'll, that someone is willing to discuss. You'll always be treated with professionalism and respect. It's important to highlight the nepotism of the NYPD, something that we must discuss. It's always been there. Every agency has a form of nepotism. But how far is that nepotism going? It's completely egregious what we see at this point. Uh, It's absolutely ridiculous. It's so far-fetched. It's something that we've never seen before, this phenomenon. And it really correlates with this disciplinary matrix. And I guess we're going to see how this plays out with the community response team with Lieutenant Nicholas Stephanopoulos. I wish him well, no matter what, despite the fact that he attacked this podcast. I believe that he deserves fair and due process, just as many others were not given. Stahl Greco was not given fair and due process. I was not either in my civilian complaint cases. So I do not wish harm on others. I wish that this lieutenant gets fair and due process and gets a fair assessment. That's all I'm asking is fair. And if he gets a fair assessment, Everyone else should as well. It has to be fair and equitable. So, everyone, thank you for watching. John, of course, thank you for taking this ride with me. 265 Police Live on the New York's Finance Retired Up Podcast. Thank you, everyone.
0: There's a handful of retired officers that don't live in the state that have a lot to say about the dream team, as I like to call it. All of a sudden, they retire and have a master plan on how to fight crime. But nothing to nothing to contribute when they were here. They want to come back and be part
3: of the dream team. What can I say? Law enforcement professionals dedicate their lives to serving and protecting our community, but who's protecting their financial futures? That's where Laidlaw Blue comes in. Our wealth management platform is specifically designed for the law enforcement community. Laidlaw Blue is a division within Laidlaw Wealth Management run by retired New York City Detective John McDermott. His status as a retired detective uniquely positions him to establish a deep connection between Laidlaw Blue and the law enforcement community. Our platform is easy to use and provides a range of financial services, including investment management, retirement planning and insurance solutions. With Laidlaw Blue, you can secure your financial future and provide for your loved ones. Our team of experienced financial advisors understands the unique challenges and opportunities that law enforcement professionals face. We're here to help you navigate the complexities of financial planning and achieve your goals. Laidlaw Blue, secure your financial future today. Book a meeting using the QR code displayed or call us directly on triple eight nine zero one blue. That's triple eight nine zero one Blue.